0: One of the most important ways that we can be sustainable with direct mail is to ensure that we have clean data. And so the data really plays into making sure that a campaign isn't just a generalized mass mailing, but actually personalized and targeted so that you know that when you're sending mail, there is going to be ROI on it. And it's not just a, you know, another piece of junk mail. And I think that's really important from a sustainability perspective is you can invest in all of these raw materials and the production delivery. But a lot of times it comes back to making sure that your data is clean and, tar- and you are ready to target the right audience. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market.
1: Today we have a very special episode. Uh, we actually have two guests on. First, Christina Louis Dyer, uh, head of social impact and sustainability at Lobb is here. Christina recently launched uh, Lobb's carbon-neutral direct mail offering, uh, which is you know, tremendously exciting for a channel that uh, you know, previously, you know, you know really, uh, for many providers, don't you know, you know affect this kind of visibility into the work they're doing. And we'll be talking more about that during the show. Uh, and additionally, um, you know, given the the topic of the conversation today, uh, not just being around direct mail, but also around uh, you know environmental considerations, sustainability. Uh, we also have Shella Wu, uh, you know, who you know, heads analytics uh, at Simon Data by day, uh, and at night is our chair for uh, the Simon uh, Data Green Network. Um, you know, so, yeah, so I'd love to just, yeah, you know, you guys can just, you know, say hi and introduce yourselves to our listeners.
2: Great, Shella, you
0: want to go first?
2: Yeah, I'll go ahead. So like Jason said, I'm Shella. I lead the Green Network here at Simon, which is our sustainability ERG. Um, And I'm also on the analytics team and very excited to join the conversation today. Great, Shella.
0: Awesome. And hi, everyone. I'm Kristen Louis-Dyer. As Jason mentioned, I lead our social impact and sustainability work here at Lob through Lob.org, And I am thrilled to be here today.
1: Fantastic. So, uh, you know, let, let's kick off. You know, I connected with you know, Christina uh, you know, earlier in the summer. Uh, Simon Data has actually been partners with Lob for quite some time, and uh, we really had a great conversation. Yeah, that started with you know, this question of when you look at your marketing mix. Um, you know, you might be you are know, probably buying ads on Facebook, and you're certainly probably sending some emails. You know, how can direct mail play uh, you know into this approach? And really, how does that fit into your broader channel strategy? But, you know, that's sort of the first half of the conversation. The second half of the conversation is just thinking about, you know, how should you think holistically around direct mail? Obviously, it starts with the blocking and tackling around ROI, you know, channel coordination. You know, it really ends with, you know, a topic that, you know, for me is is personally very important, and that's the environment and and sustainability. And and Lob's done some tremendous work around this, and we'll be diving into that as well. Yeah, so, Christina, to kick things off, you know, why don't we maybe just, you know, start with uh, you know some examples and and what it looks like you, know, you know, to you know to effectively use direct mail and, and and why you know and why folks should think about uh, incorporating incorporating direct mail into their channel strategy today
0: absolutely you know direct mail is really an essential part of any marketing strategy these days you know marketers can really think about direct mail as part of their or should be thinking about direct mail as part of their omni-channel marketing strategy when they're thinking about acquiring converting and retaining customers because you know as all of these various channels are on the rise. You know, there is a lot of digital fatigue. The inbox is really becoming kind of the new junk mail and social is noisy and display is saturated and so it's nearly impossible to market effectively using a single channel. Right? All of these are important and they need to be integrated. And direct mail is one of those. And, you know, consumers are increasingly craving the tangible. In fact, we've seen that about 67% of people really see physical mail as being more personal than email. Um, and 90% of millennials think that direct mail is more trustworthy and reliable. Lob actually just recently ran um. A report called the State of Direct Mail Consumer Insights Report. And we found that over 85% of consumers regularly read direct mail. And so I feel like folks think about direct mail sometimes as this, you know, dying, antiquated channel when really it still has a huge impact. And people love to have that tangible moment, especially when so much of that is happening. Uh, In a digital world. I mean, even most conversations these days over Zoom. And so, you know, when you think about direct mail and taking this digital and physical, you know, channel and, and working them in tandem, it really actually, you know, we've seen a lot of studies that this can really increase overall marketing ROI because you're reaching a wider audience, you're hitting them across different touch points. And that's really powerful. Um, When marketers use email with direct mail, there's actually a 27% increase in response rates. And so, you know, I think about that, Jason. What's, you know, one of your favorite places to shop?
1: Where do I like to shop? Uh, You know, I'll buy some clothes, some jeans on occasion from Rag and Bone.
0: Okay, perfect. So let's say yesterday or tomorrow, you're you know shopping, you see this great pair of jeans. It's been a while. I know we can keep jeans for a long time, which is great. You put it in your cart, but it sounds like you have kids. you get distracted. Um, so it just sits in your cart and you likely forget about it. I have a six month old and as soon as something's in my cart and I'm distracted, I'm never going back to make that purchase unless um, you know it sits in your cart for a little while. It's a place you've shot before. And so, you know, it might trigger an email. So you might get that email a couple of days later and you're like, okay, I'm going to go check out. But then, of course, you get distracted again. Um, well, what that can de- then do is trigger a postcard with a picture of that pair of jeans you were looking at. And so a couple of days later, you get that postcard and suddenly you, you remember, okay, this is the second time I've heard about this pair of jeans. I need to go back. And that postcard might sit on your counter. And so even if you don't do it right away, You'll come back. And so there's a higher likelihood, right? That you're going to go purchase that pair of jeans. It might take a few times, but in this very distracted world, that combination of email um, and that automated postcard, right? That can help bring you or anyone back to to the uh, shopping cart to check out and so I think that's a really good example of how these tools can really work in tandem and you know I think direct mail has also historically been seen as this um you know traditionally arduous process and it's slow and so that's where lob comes into play or you know a direct mail platform like lob so that it can become again a really easily automated, um channel that marketers can tap into as part of their, you know, marketing tech stack. Um, it's another tool that they're using that is quick and easy and simple uh, to actually send a direct piece of mail, not the three months that it used to be, but as simple as, you know, a few days uh, that postcard will arrive in your inbox. So or your mailbox. So that's a, a good way of just thinking about how again all of these different channels really work well together.
1: Yep. And and certainly speaking as a consumer, I sort of feel as if, you know, the mornings I wake up and wade through my email and I'm just like, oh, I gotta get to the bottom of this. Uh, yeah, but I'll get home from work, you know, fish the mail out of the mailbox, you know, put it on the counter. I may not get for, for get to it for a few days, but what I do, you know, I'm drinking a cup of coffee, uh, you know, it's a very different experience. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think. Uh, you know, it's not surprising that you know the data around you know, the the incrementality around using multi-channels you know with direct mail, you know, is is what it is. You know, obviously, you know, you know, a big part of of Simon Data's you know, perspective on the market is is to is to execute on that multi-channel strategy. You know, so to make sure that the personalization you know assets as you described are you can be executed consistently across the channels um, you know, that include email and include direct mail and include anything else. So uh, we have, we have many direct you know direct you know, you, know, you know shared customers that use Lob with our platform, so that's that, that's great.
0: Absolutely, yeah. We we actually have a, a shared customer I know that just recently ran a campaign to uh, reach out to unsubscribers uh, to help bring them back, and so there's a, a lot of power again in, in the partnership that we have and being able to kind of integrate our technologies.
1: Yep, yeah, no, that's great. So so maybe we can talk about the environmental impact. I know folks will look at direct mail and they'll be like, well, this used to be a tree. You know, you know, Christina, you and I were joking. You know, any other form of digital marketing, marketing also has, you know, costs, uh, in terms of, um, you know, the environmental footprint, as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, I know, yeah, you've been doing a lot of work here and I'm going to pass over to Shella to ask, you some, some, some questions around that we're looking to learn more about it and how you think about it.
2: Yeah. Um, so Christina, I know you do a lot of work around understanding what is Lob's footprint and assessing how to offset accordingly. Um, which I think, by the way, is such admirable work. Um, for companies who do want to turn a more reflective eye on themselves and also, you know, assess what is their environmental impact? What guidance would you give to start that process and how should they be thinking about their footprint? Absolutely.
0: It is a process. It's a journey. And so I would recommend starting with a materiality assessment. So I don't know if you've done that already, or um, if you're you're thinking about that, but essentially um, it's usually an ESG. So environmental social governance uh, materiality assessment, and what it helps you do is actually identify the most material issues for the organization. And I think that's really important because there is so much you can tackle, right? And depending on your service and what you're offering, um, locations, all of there's so many factors. And so really honing in on what is most material to your organization and how do you really make sure that you're going after the most impactful areas. And so starting with that materiality assessment is really important. Then, you know, I would say developing a point of view for why you're starting to calculate this and who your target audience is. Again, we have a lot of stakeholders, right? Is this for employees? Is this, is this for investors? Is this for customers? Is it for everyone? Depending on who you're trying to reach and who you're reporting out to, that is that conversation is going to shift a little bit or the way you're thinking about measurements might shift a little bit. Um, and then, you know, while you can do some of this work in-house. you know, I definitely think you could you probably know already if I say what are your most material issue areas, you could probably name them. Um, but you know, as you continue to grow, it definitely helps to have a third party who can validate that and you can look to and help to again verify all of the work and validate all the work that you've done because you really want to make sure you're not like really greenwashing. I think that is another piece of the conversation that folks um, are worried about because they're having companies recently that have been called out. and so, You want to make sure that the data that you're gathering the data that you're gathering is really validated by that third party. And then I'd say internally, um, this can't happen in a silo. And so this for me is, I think the biggest piece is, I think a lot of times you're like, oh, you're head of sustainability. Great. So what are we going to go do? And the reality is it's it's a company-wide effort, right? I get to help manage and advise on how we approach this, but it only happens if we bring in all the various stakeholders because the data that you need to measure your carbon footprint lives in so many different places um, internally, again, with your, the the rest of your value chain. So there's just a lot that goes into this and having that partnership and buying in across the business. um, and then again, up and down is just incredibly important. So that's what I would say is materiality assessment, develop a point of view, know who your stakeholders are, and then ultimately make sure you're partnering across the organization.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I like that focus on like what we should do internally for brands who do work with other vendors. Are there specific questions that they should be asking them to kind of get that full picture understanding of their footprint?
0: You know, what's great is because this is something that is on the rise, like I feel like so many organizations are really starting to think about sustainability if they haven't already. And so you're seeing... I think I saw the other day that like 92% of Fortune 500 companies are publishing a sustainability report. You know, there are potential disclosures um, that are proposed by the SEC on the horizon around, you know, climate related risks, emissions, and net zero transition plans. So we're going to see some of this mandated, like we've seen um, in other countries and other parts of the world. But, you know, I think the first question is just understanding if they have that report. A lot of times it's public and it's something you can dig into. It's incredibly dense, uh, but it's out there. And if that isn't readily available, you know, there are questions that I would recommend asking, and I'm also happy to share kind of a list, but, you know, anything around understanding, one, if they've started any sort of any of these calculations, if they understand what their current impacts are um, around their scope, one, two, and three emissions – um, what their energy and water sources are, the actions that they're currently taking to reduce energy, water, and you know other chemical usage. Um, what raw materials do they use? Where do they come from? You know, what do their data centers look like? What kind of renewable? What kind of energy is being used? Are their products certified by you know a third party, or are they aligning to a certain standard? So again, I can go on and on, but there are a lot of questions you can ask, and obviously, some of that they will readily share and others, you know, they may not hold closer to their chest, but I think as we continue to talk about the climate um, impacts of all of our, you know, work, and again, digital doesn't necessarily mean it's green. So all of us are kind of digging into that. We're going to see that data more readily available and we'll have a better sense of what those carbon footprints are. Got it. That's
2: a really already solid list of questions that you already gave out to us. Continuing to like think externally um for companies who want to work with external partners whether it's some type of nonprofit um can you talk me through like how that process goes how do you find like the right fit for that
0: there are so many and again one size one size does not fit all and i've seen again what might work for a really really large organization may not ma- be what makes most sense for for you. So I think again, it goes back to that materiality assessment and understanding what those material issues are that you're looking to tackle, um, and then identifying key partners that you can potentially work with. So our journey, you know, from a law perspective, started early on. So before we had measured our footprint or really knew what the you know greenhouse gas emissions were for each kind of mail piece that we send, we since 2018 have been working with Eden reforestation projects because we knew very clearly that we use paper for what. You know, for our mail. And so since 2018, we've been planting two trees for every one that we use. And that was like the tip of the iceberg, right? So that was like a very visible way that we were imp- impacting the environment. And we knew that at some point we were going to dig deeper, which is where the carbon neutrality uh, conversation came into play. But that was a really great partner for us because we vetted and looked into how they think about reforestation. So that was that was the, a, a good fit for us. Um, there are many organizations, again, along those lines. But again, we tied it closely to what are the impacts that we're having. And for us, it was paper and forestry. And so reforestation was very closely aligned. So I think it's important to think about how the offsets or the projects that you're investing in actually closely align with the impacts that your organization has as well, so that it's not just completely separate. As we're thinking about this carbon neutral mail, we're working with a, a third party. So we are going to be working with climate impact partners. And they have a number of projects that are well vetted. Like they have teams that are vetting each individual product, uh, project very heavily um, so that we know that there is transparency and it's been validated. And so we know where, you know, when we're purchasing offsets, where that's going and we can actually track the progress. So again, there are a lot of nonprofits and for profit organizations that you can work with. And it really is a matter of like, what is it that you are tangibly affecting? And then, you know, what makes the most sense for your organization at this stage?
2: Got it. Um, I believe that you had mentioned before that um, you have gotten your, car. this was on a separate conversation, but that you got your carbon footprint data. And I did want to learn a little bit more about for you, how do you calculate that? How do you transform that data um, to understand your footprint?
0: Absolutely. So this is again where we worked with a third party because we wanted to make sure that we had subject matter experts. And again, at the end of the day, that when we were talking about our data, that it was third party validated. And so we worked with SCS Consulting. Uh, We worked with them actually over the past almost year now. So we started first with looking at our scope one and two emissions, which are pretty minimal. And then we re, you know, we knew that based on our materiality assessment, that the majority of our emissions were going to be in our product. So product sustainability came up as the number one area for our assessment that we needed to really tackle if we wanted to think about sustainability as a whole and making material impacts there. So we brought on SCS Consulting. And what they've done is partnered with us and our print partners, Um, all of the suppliers that we work with to really understand from raw materials all the way through disposal, what the entire journey is for a piece of mail, and then what those impacts are. So it's a pretty long process, right? We had to gather a lot of data um, from various sources. And once, I mean, that took about four months uh, because we work with a number of print partners. We leveraged the USPS data, which is readily available for folks um, on the footprint of that delivery aspect of the mail. And so once we had all of those pieces, we could then look at our 2021 numbers of mail volume sent um, against all of the, again, the different inputs of what goes into a mail piece from production to delivery, and then ultimately disposal, which is a cradle to grave analysis. Um, and so we went through this life cycle assessment. And at the end of the day, we're able to now understand down to a gra- you know the grams per mail piece of CO2 emissions
2: got it that's awesome i love to follow that process and i love how you also brought in like all these different data sources whether it was through that third party that you worked with or just by yourself to kind of come and arrive to this uh footprint analysis so um yeah i think that's all the questions from me it was really great to talk to you christina thank you thank you so much great uh
1: and and before we transition into the final question around um you know folks who are looking to use direct mail. Is are there any other questions you should ask around the efforts that you're doing from a sustainability perspective or do we cover most of everything?
0: No, we we covered all of that. I think again, sometimes folks will ask, well, you know, is it um is this so much more or is, is direct mail um a larger footprint than email? And I think in a one to one comparison, right, it is, but I, I don't want to I'm not trying to villainize any sort of channel, right? Again, these work really well hand in hand oh, and exactly. We get about 120 emails a day with you know, about a footprint of about 4 grams. So if you think about that, it's a much smaller footprint, but we get a lot of it. And we typically get about 15 to 20. Right. Each household in the U.S. gets about 15 to 20 mail pieces per week, but it's a higher footprint, right? It's about 30 to 50 grams. But if you look at it overall, it's actually not that large of a delta, right? And so I think that's where we want to reemphasize that direct mail can be a renewable resource, right? The paper gets recycled well. And it doesn't just sit in a data center somewhere. And so there's this opportunity again to use these hand in hand without thinking that one channel is superior to the other, especially from a sustainability perspective.
1: Uh, all right. So, uh, Christina, for any of our listeners who are looking, you uh, know, to expand into direct mail, uh, you know, what's your advice uh, on how should they be thinking about this?
0: Yeah. You know, as I mentioned earlier, it's. Really important to start thinking about this as another channel, as part of this, you know, omni-channel strategy. And and my uh, my colleague Kim has a great analogy where she talks about, you know, your digital and your physical, like a PB and J, that they go best together. Folks might have different opinions depending on how they feel about either peanut butter or jelly, but as a whole, that it really is strongest when they are together. And so neither is meant to act in a silo, but again, really integrate with other channels. And as I also mentioned earlier, I think some of the concern or maybe the uh, hesitation with direct mail is that it has been this arduous process, but it really doesn't have to be right. That's where Lob comes in, and other, you know, really to think about how this is automated as part of a marketer's tech stack. And so we want to make it, or we do make it as easy as possible for folks to bring this into their outreach strategy. And so it doesn't have to be that three month process where you work with a printer and it takes a long time. But actually, it's with our, you know, platform, super easy. To use, um, anyone can jump in and start to build their first campaign. Again, it really helps that we get to work with great partners. Um, you know, we integrate with a number of different technologies that folks are likely already using. And so, again, this is meant to be a seamless transition. And um, we really feel that if you can bring direct mail into your strategy, it is one of the most effective channels. Again, we were talking about kind of the stats about that earlier, but we want to make it. Easy for folks to use from print all the way to delivery, but also to give data around it. I think that's another reason that folks have sometimes, you know, been hesitant to use direct mail is sometimes it falls into the silo and it's hard to measure. But we have tools that actually allow for you to understand again the analytics and the ROI for each campaign, and so no, it's no longer this, um, you know, mist a mysterious channel, but actually something you can measure and report out on and show again the direct ROI. One of the most important ways that we can be sustainable with direct mail is to ensure that we have clean data. And so the data really plays into making sure that a campaign isn't just a generalized mass mailing, but actually personalized and targeted so that you know that when you're sending mail, there is going to be ROI on it. And it's not just a, you know another piece of junk mail. And I think that's really important from a sustainability perspective is you can invest in all of these raw materials and the production delivery but a lot of times it comes back to making sure that your data is clean and tar- and you are ready to target the right audience. So that's one thing I like to make sure folks think about, too, is it's not just all the pieces that go into a piece of mail, but at that very beginning um, to think about you know, who you're reaching out to and what the data looks like.
1: And that's great. And there's real alignment there between you know, what's in the best interest of your customer uh, and what's in the best interest of the environment. The customer doesn't like to throw out a piece of irrelevant junk mail any more than uh, anyone likes to pay for it, nor does uh, anyone want to pay for the uh, you know, environmental side effects of that. Yeah, so obviously, you know, sustainability and environmental uh, considerations with global warming is a you know a really a, a highly relevant topic today. Uh, many folks are talking about uh, about it, and so for the final question, Christina, if you were to uh, have this conversation again, you know, around the work you're doing at Lob with you know any 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 leader in the world, who would it be and why?
0: It's a great question. And the first person that comes to mind, and this is probably because my husband was eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's last night. And I really admired kind of their stances on, you know, how they've just led with their values and, and been unapologetically leaning into social justice. But Matthew McCarthy is Ben and Jerry's CEO. And, you know, I really believe, especially being in the social impact and sustainability space, that businesses can be really powerful change makers. And Ben and Jerry's is a great example of that. They also have a lot of focus around you know environmental justice and sustainability, and so I'd love to learn from them and understand really how that can continue to be integrated in our business as well.
1: Great, Uh, and and Shella, you brought some you know great folks into Simon Data to talk about the topic. If you could talk to anyone, you know, who would it be?
2: So I would actually reach out. I support this charity called the Red Panda Network. I've been supporting them since high school, actually, Um, but I would just love to talk to them more, so just because. I think that there's a lot of nonprofits out there who don't leverage their data as much as they should. And um, I would love to just have a conversation to evaluate what are some of the pain points, what are some of the gaps that they would like to close and, you know, work with them to kind of help them bridge that to better support the red pandas that are out there.
1: That's great. (laughs) Uh Alrighty, um, well, uh, yeah. Thank you both for uh, coming on the, the podcast today uh, and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, when I sort of reflect on the conversation, uh, you know, it's really one of, of asking, really one that starts with asking, what should your channel strategy be around your uh, your marketing strategy today? Uh, and really, then just ends with you know, thinking about the strategy holistically. And obviously, you know, thinking about the customer experience, think about revenue, think about you know, your funnel efficiency. Uh, those are all you know critical things to be thinking about. Uh, but it's also really important to be understanding the you know, the environmental impact, uh, you know, of your marketing strategy as well. Yeah, you know, I think, Christine, the work that you're doing uh, at Lob is just fantastic. And Lob has really been a, a leader in the space around, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, the impacts um, on the environment and, and offsetting them uh, accordingly as well. You know, so really excited for, uh, you know, everything to come Uh, I know you're relatively early in your journey still. So, um, yeah, it would be great to have you on a future episode uh, at some point to talk about, uh, you know, know, all the great work that you'll have, um, had done, uh, you know, in in the time in between. Uh, you know, so Christina, for anyone who wants to learn about Lob, uh, or about your work, you know, where, where can they go and how can they learn more?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jason. So you can go to lob.com to learn more about our intelligent direct mail platform. And if you're curious about our sustainability efforts, we actually have a lob.com slash sustainable direct mail to learn more about our carbon neutral journey.
1: That's great. Um, Thank you for everyone listening to this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, uh, please visit us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata
0: been listening to The Data Unlocked. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.